Now, how do you separate church and state via the content selection and analysis versus ad revenue from the labels sure, and whatnot sure. who are big deals? For example, like at this point, nobody can take Rolling Stone seriously. I mean, Rolling Stone. <laughs> no, I mean, really. I mean, you you pretty much know now. And that's not from, you know, and even a 15-year-old kid now knows that the reason the cover story is there or, the, or certain bands are going to get five-star reviews no matter what based on the ad placement and stuff. How are you... You know, and it's and obviously it showed in the lack of respect Rolling Stone has, and as we know that they're in deep trouble. I mean, you read that Rolling Stone's only has a five million dollar profit. Like, yeah. think about that entity; they only profit five million dollars, as we're seeing all the debt servers coming out for Jan. Yeah. I mean, how do you guys, knowing especially you guys have you know Guggenheim's invested so much into it, and obviously revenue is king as well as content. How do you do it? How do you? I mean, there is a line to it, and you have yeah. to do it. Does that? prevent you from at times digging deeper in story or no i really don't think so i mean first of all let me let me just say <laughs> you know i worked at, at uh, rolling stone for a year and um you know their 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 challenges as a media company are well documented but i have a, a, an incredible amount of respect for uh for jan wenner and what he's been able to accomplish right i mean it's it, all of us are sitting here today to some extent uh you know because of, of what rolling stone did and and i think that um i think that you know, when I was considering taking a job at, at Rolling Stone in the first place, uh, a lot of people were sort of like, "Oh, you know, you shouldn't do that. Like, Jan's crazy, and you're going to da 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 It's like, well, you know, this the, this guy might be crazy, but you know, he started this this music brand 40 years ago at the time, and I don't see a lot of other people who started a music brand 40 years ago and are still running it today. So I, I just want to say, uh, you know, we sometimes are are in competition with Rolling Stone for for interviews or for first listens to music and things like that. But I find them uh, I find them a noble adversary, and and in terms of their credibility, um, you know, I think it's tough to maintain critical credibility in 2013 and still be a business. Um, I think it's it's not as tough to maintain credibility as a journalistic outlet in the ways that I think Rolling Stone does shine, right? Like, I mean, I think they do a great job with some of their political reporting. 100%. I mean, an amazing job with some of these stories. But they're not that, getting any political ads. They're not getting political ads. That's and that's a big, and that's, yeah, that's a, a tricky it's a tricky road to walk. Um, you know, in terms of how Billboard handles it, um, you know, I mean, we do we have editorial autonomy. It's a responsibility and it's an opportunity. And so, you know, you have to kind of think about that. Um, you know, I think for a long time, the way Billboard was able to get by was we focused on the projects that we felt were great, right? So if you don't really, if, if you're kind of focusing on the albums that you believe in and the songs that you believe in and the artists that you believe in, then you don't really have to confront, you know, this idea of, well, what if we say something really bad about someone? Uh, but, you know, I, I think in my evolution as an editor here, I've been at Billboard seven and a half years and I've been in this job for about uh, four years uh, you know, running the, the content, um, I, I, you know, I, I did start to take more and more seriously the, the reality that uh, we had a responsibility to our readers um, and that, you know, I mean, I guess when I talk to my staff, I talk about the need for tough love. If you're, you know, if you kind of bring the tough and you don't have any of the love, then you're kind of just pissing on the people that, you know, that you need to be helping. Uh, but at the same time, if it's all just love uh, and you're not really taking a critical eye towards what they're doing, then, 
you know, it just becomes pap and you're not really helping anyone. And, and so, you know, I'll, I'll ask my writers or, or the reporters all the time, uh, you know, who's, who, who's going who's gonna to care about this story? Who's going to read this story? Who is this story going to help? Other than the, the artist or the executive who's going to be really excited that they got covered and they're going to pin it on the refrigerator and send a copy to their mom, who's this, who is this story really going to help? You know, um, and, if, and if the answer isn't clear, if you're not like, well, you know, there's a whole category of entertainment lawyers or there's a whole category of, you know, people in the, uh, you know, in the trenches and the touring industry or whatever it might be that really need to know this story and they're going to learn from this, then we might take a long, hard, hard look at it. Um, on the consumer side, it's just a lot more fun. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the you know, billboard.com, uh, we, we've, we've more than tripled our traffic in the last uh, about three years to billboard.com. And we just relaunched a couple of weeks ago as part of this, this big brand relaunch that we did. Um, no, and, and it's fantastic and it's fair and it's honest and it's... We do our best. I mean, I just think, you know, I, I think that it's an age of transparency and that, you know, I, I just think that, you know, crap doesn't fly the way it once did. Uh, and that that fans are much smarter and they're much more educated. That they know where to go for information. They know where to have a sense of you know well like I can you know I know the dollars behind this and I know who's promoting that. I know and they they just uh, from my experience, uh, fans are are just way more aware of these things than they once were. And so I I think you I think you sort of do a disservice to yourself and obviously to your readers if you're not being kind of forthcoming and honest and and these sorts of things. I agree. Uh, but, you know, when I look at Grammys or I look at uh, South by Southwest or I look at Medem, these are the three events I go to every year. And I really just try and, like, hold a finger up in the wind and see, like, how do people in this business broadly feel? How are they feeling about themselves? What are they excited about? What are the opportunities they're seeing? Um, it's really interesting. We threw an after party for the Grammys. It's the first time that Billboard has done this in a long while. And uh, I got this text. It was the it was the greatest text I have ever received. It was from Tommy Page, the publisher of Billboard, who's my partner in crime there. And he said, um, "Bill, uh, he's he's texting me from the after party. I was a little late getting there because I, I got stuck leaving the Grammys, talking to some people." He said, "Bill, where are you? Need you here? Prince coming wants you." I was like. That's the greatest text. I, great. I, I, I still have it on my phone. I'll show it yeah. to you so you can tell people that I'm not making this up. It, it's, it's um, you know, as much as, you know, I've been really blessed to live this life in music, there's still plenty of moments that happen all the time where I just have to pinch myself. And the idea that Prince even has any idea who I am is, like, um, remarkable to me. So I, I get over to the party, and Prince's manager is there, and she, she texts Prince because Prince won't come to the party until he knows that that I'm, I'm here. Uh, and so he, he shows up, and we, we, we're sitting in this back cabana, and we get into this really kind of, I don't want to say heated. That probably gives you the wrong impression, but it was, it was a little heated. Like, we got into this really kind of intense back and forth for about 30 minutes about the state of the music industry. And, you know, Prince is... Prince wants to know why, like, radio won't play Prince. Prince is like, listen, I go out on the road. I sell out this arena, that arena, this arena, that arena. Like, these artists are playing on the radio. You tell, you know, they, they should go to the O2, the big arena in London, and they should sell out 21 dates in a row. I've played the last couple songs he's released. Yeah. I've played him, and I've probably been the only guy playing him. Yeah, so, so you're right, right? Like, you probably are the only guy playing him, and it's mind-blowing to me because, you know what, he's right. He's and, he, and, he, and he didn't say it in a way, by the, just to be clear, he wasn't taking anything away from all the other artists that are out there. He was very, uh, as much as we kind of got into it and had some, some, like, kind of, you know, there were some sparks flying around this exchange. Because, some, you know, there's a part of Prince that believes that the entire music industry is set up essentially to rob artists. Yes. And there's, a, you know, and 
not entirely wrong in some ways. He's not, he's but, not flawed but, but, in he's cer- but he's certainly not entirely right. And there's a lot of great people in the music business, and there's a lot of change that's happened in the music business, even over the last few years, where now I think smart artists coming to the business are often signing deals that let them keep their masters and are often signing deals that kind of, you know, are, are just smarter and, and savvier. Uh, and the, and the, the record business is starting to adjust to some of these new realities, and good for them for doing that. Anyway, the point is, you know, whether it was Prince talking to me about this or it was... Um, you know, I went to the, you know, the Clive party that goes on Saturday night. It's like right. the party at the Grammys. And it's pretty cool, I got to say. Clive's um, been in the news a lot lately. Clive has been in the news. We should talk about that in a minute. But um, Patti Smith played Clive's party. And usually Clive's party is full of like whoever's like new and hot and next. You know, this year he had the Lumineers play and he had Miguel play. And these are great. I mean, these are great up and coming acts in the, in the more mainstream space. Uh, and they did, had great performances. Uh, Emily Sandy. Uh, Emily Sand. Sandy, Sandy, I always mispronounce her name, but um, you know she's she's great. Uh, her performance was amazing, and her song's starting to climb at radio now. But he had Patti Smith perform, and Patti Smith was amazing, like amazing. She also played uh, the night before Grammy Week at the Bruce Springsteen tribute, and she played Because the Night. I mean, just this, this amazing performance, right? Like Patti Smith. Who would have thought that Patti Smith is so amazing? Of course, everyone would have thought that it had ever seen. But the point is, like, where is the home for these artists? It's like if you're not new and hot and of this minute. Right, which which is, gets back to the then you then you don't the charts being yeah. so many charts. Well, one of the things I like about Prince is in CHR anymore. The uh, I have a Prince story that involves him kind of being a hothead too. And you were saying, yeah, uh, years ago, I was dating a girl that lived in the city, and I happened to be at a restaurant, and uh, she's the biggest Prince, like the huge Prince fan, like painted the room purple for Prince, and um, her apartment. I happened to be out of the restaurant with a bunch of friends. And I walked down the stairs to go to where the men's room were. There was a bar. And Prince is sitting at the bar. That's, like, that's it's a, Prince. Like, and it's not like a, it's like, like yeah. you, there's people that when you see, you know it's them. There's no yeah. mistaking yeah. that it's Prince. Yeah, not a lot of people look And like I'm Prince. like, wow. And I look and I'm like, okay. And there's like really mm-hmm. like one person around them. And nobody's saying anything to them. So I go, you know, go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting there. I go, you know, girl I'm dating loves him. I mean, how many times are we going to run into Prince? I, I hate, you know. It's a tough situation for you to be in. Yeah, and, I'm, and this is. Because you, you don't really want to bother Prince. Right, and it's not like now where if I saw Prince, I can actually have some yeah. value to him. Well, dude, I know you, I'm on the radio. Like, I could say this. I'm just a, you know, 25, whatever, however old. No, it's probably less than that. Maybe 30-year-old, whatever I was. And to be able to, like, I'm never going to see this guy again. And I understand it from hanging out with some of the celebrities. You know, from some of the celebrities hanging out, that people just come up to them. Yeah. You could be like at a restaurant, like say you're having lunch with somebody that's a celebrity, and they'll literally come 40 times, 40 different. Can I get a picture? Get an autograph? Yeah. We know how it's you can't, like. You can't have a so moment's peace. I don't want to like bother him, but I realize it's a once in a lifetime moment, and it doesn't look like he's immersed in anything other than like a club soda. Yeah. So I walk over to him and I say, Big fan of your music, but my girlfriend is the biggest and this is no camera phones at this point this is before then no cell phones or anything biggest fan of yours she's never gonna believe you were here you know and you can't do the let me take a picture you can't do leave a message on her phone machine you can't do that right all the things that kids could do now with these celebrity all you can do is say i hate to ask you this but would you mind signing something for her and he looks around, and there's literally nobody there. Like, the restaurant is upstairs. He's below the restaurant. So he looks around, and he takes a napkin from the cocktail. You know, it's a bar. Yeah. It takes, like, one of the little square napkins. It's, like, the size of, of a CD. And he 
says, what's her name? And I say, Linda. And he writes <laughs> to Linda. And then he signs that big sign. stupid thing, yeah. right? And I don't, you know, he hands it to me. And I'm walking up the stairs. And I look at it. And it's the symbol. And I, and I don't know whether it was just me being just. Oh, you went back down and asked him to sign his. I, 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 <laughs> I go back. I go back. Down. I can, you know, I can see, you know, Prince takes this stuff pretty seriously. No, so I go back. And I go, dude, what is this? And, oh, <laughs> and I just literally just like throw it across the bar. I go, this does me no good. And he, he looks at me. He's got this look of just like. He's probably sheer it, disbelief at this like, point. Who and now he's got like a guy there who's like looking at me like, dude, you're like, you're now you're yeah. getting into it, Prince, yeah. and we're going to physically move you out of. I said, no, I go, no disrespect to you. I go, you brilliant. I don't care about your, you know, argument with your record label and contracts and your, I don't, I get it. Whatever you need to do to get your songs back or whatever, that's all well and good. <laughs> but this is a girl that lives in Greenwich Village. That's like been your fan since like dirty mind. Like, and you're like, like this means nothing. I can't did, go. Did you, uh, did you, did you tell your girlfriend at the time that you actually threw his autograph oh, back no. at him? So then was she, and did she, did she forgive you? Has she forgiven you to this day? Wait. So I said this, I, I said, I can't do this. I said, so I appreciate you doing it, but this does me no good. And he's got this. Were, were you drinking that night? Not that much. Not, <laughs> not, not enough to be like. No, not, and, I, and you weren't, like, weren't so belligerent. He looks at me, and he's got this blank look of blankness on his face. And he takes the, he takes the napkin, right? And I figure he's just gonna, like, he opens it up, right? And he writes to Linda Prince Rogers Nelson. Right? Oh wow! Goes like this. Hands to me. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> I go, wow, thanks. And I'm walking up the stairs, and I've now realized, as I've done this, that I'm still not happy with this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, because of the way he did it, it was like you couldn't see both at the same time without cutting the napkin. Oh, because dude. Of <laughs> dude, I want to beat you at this point. No, Come no, on, no. man. No, no. So at this point, I have one of the few times oh, of my man. life where I have restraint. I don't say, I just, yeah. but you it's, it you know, and I go, um, I go back to her apartment after my dinner, figuring this is going to be a fantastic night of, you know, anything. Of you know, Prince stories, of we'll Prince say. Of Prince stories yeah. and <laughs> reliving moments in Prince songs yeah, from that go. first album, right? <laughs> there you go. From uh, Maybe we should play that song off of Dirty Mind, right? Dude, and look, um, I, I pulled up my Spotify just to show you. This is this is literally what I was last listening to before I came here. And it's the cover of uh, Dirty Mind. That's, that's bizarre that we're talking about this right now. Because I've, I've been on a little bit of a Prince tear on Spotify. He's one Although of the I have best. to say, you know, I take the train to work most days and... You know the cover for for those that that can't see it or that don't have it or don't we'll know tweet it. it. The, the the cover is uh, basically like a naked prince in a in like a black thong from the front, <laughs> uh, with like a bandana and a sport coat that's open. So it's like pretty. I have to say, when I'm on the train and I'm listening to this, I'm a little like, hey, like don't you know? Well, just click the button so it know. goes dark. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. But the, but it's an amazing album. Prince was dressed a little less. You know, he was yeah. in like I think like jeans and like a pirate yeah. shirt. Yeah. And um. Yeah. So I go back. I figured this would be great. This will. Yeah, I tell her the whole story, and she goes, "I can't believe you 
actually got into an altercation with Prince. <laughs> Not thank you for the autograph. Thank you for like, she goes, I can't believe you don't understand how sensitive he is about that. Well, that's, that's, uh, and I go, know, but he signed it with his real name. What do you like? People, I think people fundamentally, there's certain artists, you know, Prince is definitely one of them. And I think I would put Kanye West in this, in this category. You can't, um, wait, wait, stop, stop. Well, stop. let me, let me, no, hear me you, out. You, hear me you out. You can't and then, ever you, mention Prince and Kanye West no, in the no, same I'm sorry. ever category. I, I don't Other agree. Other than I don't the agree. fact that they're both somehow in the music business. You There's said, no you said that you were, you said that you were open-minded to conversations about music. Okay. Um, I think that, <laughs> I think that both of these guys are, are, and, and I, I get flack from this. I understand that Kanye has made a lot of people angry and Kanye through his behaviors has made a lot of people not be fans of Kanye. But you know, if you listen to dark twisted fantasy, if you listen to the tracks that he's produced, if you, you know, I, I think he is a real artist and I think that he's a guy that just kind of blindly, follows his muse and sometimes that muse takes him to awful places that get him into a lot of trouble like here, here's the argument i have with people about kanye west right if you loved kanye after katrina when he went on the telethon and on live tv said george bush doesn't care about black people if you were in the percentage of americans that kind of stood on your chair and cheered at that moment if you were one of those people then you also have to accept the kanye west that barges on stage and takes the award away from taylor swift their yes, and they, they know, do. They're, now they're tell me going. about Prince playing the uh, the awards in Vegas. Yeah, well, I mean, I just couldn't be more excited. I mean, I, you know, how, I mean, I mean, how is is he winning? What is he winning? We're an giving award? him. We, we're giving him. We're presenting him with Billboard's Icon Award. Okay. Uh, last year, we we gave that to. Um, I can't remember the last year was. I think last year last year Stevie Wonder or Neil Diamond. One year was Stevie Wonder, and one year was Neil Diamond. I'm just I'm just uh, confusing the two in my head. Uh, so this year it's going to be Prince. Um, he's going to play. You know, for my record, one of the greatest performances of all time. Prince has, it, I mean, if we create this this sort of nonsense list of like the greatest single moments in music and live music, uh, I would say two uh, that Prince would sort of enter high on that list for. Uh, one would be uh, when he was on stage playing guitar for the induction of George Harrison of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fantastic. If you haven't seen that video, Fantastic. you can see it on YouTube. It's unbelievable. He's up there with like Tom Petty and Jeff Beck and all these great like guitar gods, right? And they're playing and like Prince is kind of off to the side of the stage and they're just like kind of playing and they're amazing, you know, and you know, there's a couple guitar He's solos built into this. He's one of the greatest guitar players well, so of all time. Well, so after, you know, Tom Petty plays and after, um, you know, after Tom Petty plays and after... Um, uh, you know, Beck plays a little bit and there's like some solos. Then finally Prince kind of starts playing. And at first he starts on the side of the stage. And by the time he's done, he's like in the center of the stage. And he's just like, I mean, someone tweeted this recently and I don't mean to take someone else's words, but I, I saw this and I was like, God, that's so perfect. But they said that, you know, he goes to Mars with this guitar solo and it's just unreal. He is so, unbelievable. And then the other one, of course, was a Super Bowl halftime show, which as much, you know, all respect to, to Beyonce, but I still think Prince's Super Bowl halftime show was the greatest, you know, one of the greatest musical performances of all time. To have that audience... What I, what I loved about that, that halftime show, ones. not not only, I mean, just musically, right? It was just bananas, right? Like, the, like to watch Prince well, he's really bananas. hit his stride with a guitar solo, I think I think he might be the greatest guitarist of all time. He's he's in the discussion. You know, I mean, because like, he, he brings this combination of, like, passion and soul and artfulness to it that, that you know, the other people in that discussion also bring to it. So I'm not taking anything away from anyone. But, man, Prince, when he hits his, no, he, you know, he when he puts it into fifth gear, one of the... it's just unbelievable. But on top of that, he's doing this performance. I don't know if you remember that Super Bowl performance, but he's doing it in front of a, a flag. Right. So and, the, and he's got the, the and he's got, right, the, you know, yeah. he's basically stroking this right, guitar. Right. And it's like, Again, you know, this is happening a couple which of years. Which Austin Powers, I think, then copied, right? Yeah, right. They, right. Then they put right? the tent scenes, right? But he's doing this a couple years after the whole Janet Jackson fiasco. Right. And honestly, from where I stood, what Prince was doing on national television was 
was way more oh. subversive and way dirtier than anything Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake did. 100%. So that was just like, man, that was rock and roll, right? Like, that was awesome. The hair is standing up on my neck right now talking about that because that was that's just like no, that was one about. of the greatest halftime performances. Oh, so amazing. So amazing. So he is one of the... You know, so I can't wait to see what he does in the Billboard Music Awards because honestly, this is a guy that rises to the occasion and we're giving him an occasion and he seems like, you know, he seems like from my conversation with him at the, at the after party, he seems like, you know... He very much wants the world to know, like, hey, I'm like, I'm still doing this, man. And I'm like as vital as now, anyone. Have you heard anything other than the couple songs they've released? I haven't yet. And he's always recording music. I mean, Every, you know. I remember joining the, uh, he, had, he did that fan club, the MPG club. It yep. was like 20 bucks. Yep. And every, like, literally, and it was at the beginning of, like, downloads. Yeah. Before it was, like, I remember, like, the files were so big, they would crash your computer. And yep. it was just, yep. 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 You know, we were jamming the other day, and they would send you, like, a 40-minute song. And they, they, you know, then, of course, that's gone away, and I guess he's restarting that or whatever. Yeah. Now, yeah. he is prolific and one of the greatest, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be one of those moments that people definitely talk about. Three hundred percent. Now they'll call you on it too, right? Like, I mean, you and I first met on Twitter. You know, I'm I'm I, I love Twitter, um, and I and I love it because a and I mean I, I mean this is just from the heart, right? Like, I feel so blessed to have been able to live this life in music to this point, <laughs> yeah, right? Yes, like, me as well, right? You know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I, I feel like every day I wake up and and I, I'm playing with house money, you know, and so the opportunity that Twitter provides to give like other music fans or other people who like, I probably would have been if it wasn't for a few lucky breaks, just being like a diehard fan or loving certain artists or reading billboard as a fan, uh, the opportunity to kind of share some of the amazing experiences that I get to have and really kind of bring people along with me and see it through my eyes. Um, it's just so meaningful to me. It seems like it's meaningful to a, a, a number of people on Twitter. No, oh, and the, um, the, the, the Twitter thing has been a, it's, been an interesting phenomenon yeah because as you and you've seen things and you know probably you watched like when you did the whole justin bieber thing you watched here yeah you know yeah. it looks like a pinball machine like the numbers are like you know yeah, justin bieber ruined my twitter we should talk about that well maybe. well let's yeah. you know, let's i mean let's talk about that i yeah. mean let's talk about a guy like justin bieber who you did the you, know, you did the interview yeah. with him and stuff um now he's got this his fan base he's got this kind of twitter war going with uh patrick, patrick from the Carney. black keys yeah. which is just from us on the Twitter feed, it's the greatest thing ever. It's pretty but great. Question- I, I, it's funny. I was actually reading Patrick Carney. I went to Patrick Carney's Twitter feed yesterday and just read all of his tweets. And he's he's engaging, and I, he's and I love it. He's engaging, and he, and you you know now he's taunting a little bit too. He's which is sort you know, of, now well, he's, he's having a little taunting. Yeah, and he's the having question some sport with is it. like, does this because the as transparent as the internet is and twin. Twitter is, and you know from reading <laughs> blogs and stuff, the comments where people can post anything anonymously, and you look at the bullying and stuff on Facebook, yeah. will at some point, would there be enough crazy people out there that are hidden behind the quote-unquote digital wall? I mean, do we have to fear that something stupid could happen to Patrick Carney from one of these crazy fans? I mean, do we have yeah. to worry that this may get out of hand? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, at, at Billboard, we've debated uh, a number of times what should our role be in encouraging artists to take a stronger role and kind of reining in their fan base from time to time. Um, you know, and I've talked to artists about this. I talked to Justin a little bit about it when, when I went down to Atlanta and talked to him uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I'd love to talk to Lady Gaga about it, for example, who's someone that Billboard has, you know, spoken to uh, in the past. I, I, you know, I, I think that some of these fans do take it 
uh, well too far. And I do wish, and, I, and I've publicly advocated that I wish some of these artists would would take just a little more... Listen, you can't hold the artists accountable for what their fans do, clearly. And, and the artists really probably have less control than we would like over what their fans do. But they do have, I think, more influence than they're exerting, yes. I would say. And, you know, I mean, the Patrick Carney thing, it doesn't really seem like it's gotten too far out of hand. I think that most people, even, even oh, the true the, believers... Oh, but the first day of it, it did. The first day of it, the it was first a little... Day of it, yeah, no, it was nasty. Like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to... Like, yeah. the things they were saying yeah. before... It, I think once the fan base realize okay this guy's goofing yeah you know and then it got really like but it's weird i don't know you know i I think that there's a lot of people who seem to disconnect from the reality that the that there's actually a human on the other side of that Twitter account. This isn't a marketing campaign. This right. isn't like a, a, a robot. This but is, if this it is guy, a marketing Patrick campaign. Carney, it would be the greatest marketing campaign. No, but ever. I'm just talking about like you know, <clears throat> Beavers now singing with a black keys at a concert. If this right. is the ultimate end game of this, and this is a PR stunt, yeah. be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I do hope <laughs> that the black keys bring Justin Bieber out to like front a song, and I think then like the, there, there'd be like a pop cultural supernova, right? Like the whole world would stop. But but I, but I, the world would stop. The whole world would stop, <laughs> and I think a lot of like black keys fans might be, would be might jump be out windows. Yeah, but. But, you know, I, I think um, – listen, I, I think that the the fans the, – the artists can certainly do more to, to kind of say, hey, listen, like this is getting a lot of – I don't know that the Patrick Carney thing is actually a great example of that, but there's plenty of other examples. There was one a, a couple years ago, I think, where um, Lady Gaga's fans uh, got something really unflattering about Adele's weight to trend on Twitter. And that was like really – to me, that was like beyond the pale. It was just it, it, it verge. Here's this artist, Lady Gaga, who says all these wonderful things about not bullying and, right. and you know, speaking up for victims and those who are victimized. And yet her, these fans who flock to this message are, you know, now mocking Adele in a way that that has to be hurtful and, and not only hurtful to Adele, but probably hurtful to a lot of people that maybe struggle with their weight. Oh, so it also make right. And then people say, well, wait a second. If Lady, where's how come Lady Gaga's not jumping in and yeah. forcefully saying, hey. Yeah. Cut it out. Well, that's kind of my point. And I, again, I don't, you know, every artist has to kind of deal with this on their own level. I, I can tell you, though, uh, on the other side of it, right? Like, I, I took on, um, I didn't take on anyone. Um, Azalea Banks uh, called, got into a little spat with Perez Hilton. Uh, this was uh, maybe a month or two ago and called Perez, uh, I don't know that I need to repeat this word, but, you know, called him a, a, an epithet that one would use to address a gay man. And I said, um, and I, you know, I, like I said, I take um, the little bit of a leadership role I have pretty seriously. And I, and I took to Twitter and I said, you know, I, I didn't think it was cool. If you think Perez Hilton is, is a, you know, is a jerk, uh, you know, call him a jerk. Right. But, but there's no reason to, you know, to use this particular word. Uh, that's, that's, you know, unnecessary. And, and uh, I think we, I don't remember whether we went back and forth or it was just that um, a lot of people started retweeting what I said. Like, you know, hundreds of people started retweeting what I said. Um, and she wound up blocking me and some of her fans some some of her fans uh started attacking me and and there were a couple fans in particular and one in particular uh who sent me uh some death threats and they didn't just send me a death threat they were like you know the first message that came through was i'm gonna you know i'm gonna find you and i'm gonna kill you and then the next message that came through was i'm gonna find uh your family and i'm gonna kill your family and it was like I mean, the blood drained from my face reading this. And now, do you now at that point being in the position you're in, do you report that to somebody? Do you, you know, I thought you about it, I thought that? about it a lot. I actually got in touch with some friends that were fairly high up at Twitter, and I said, you know, I'm not a guy to overreact to things, and, and there's a little bit of like a public sphere here. But like, how seriously should I take this? And you know, they gave me some counsel, and I, I, I certainly could have, you know, called the police and okay. blah 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 blah. But it just felt like, you know what, I'm gonna. 
I'm going to trust my instinct that this is probably like a 14 year old who is aggrieved and, and let it go at that. And they're used to the Yahoo comments where you can just have a fake avatar and just say whatever you want. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I I guess the point I want people to hear and think about is just that, you know, there's, there's real people on the other side of these Twitter accounts. And even, you know, just because they're pop stars or rock stars doesn't mean that, you know, that they're not uh, actually reading a lot of this stuff and that, you know, it is hurtful. Like, why would you say you're going to kill somebody or why would you say that, you know, I mean, some of it just, it just seems, so ridiculous. But if you want to be critical of their art, hey, I don't like your music. Oh, 100%. And, and you've seen and you've seen me on Twitter, right? Like oh, if you if you if you hit me and you're like, "Hey, you know, Billboard really crapped the bed on this particular article or Bill, what were you thinking doing X, Y, or Z?" anything at all. Like I love to engage with that stuff. I've had people reach me on Twitter and change the way I think about a particular issue, change the way I think about like, you know, whether or not we need to cover something. It's absolutely a way to to reach me and to influence me. Mm-hmm. But I, but you just have to be respectful. On two levels, I think the kid takes a bad rap. I had this experience uh, where, you know, I do TV from time to time where someone will ask me, like, I'm, you I'm a talking you're like, head. You're like, you know, it's funny. When we first started conversing on Twitter, yeah. oh, like, he's cool. We would go back and forth. Like, he's everywhere. No, like, well, and, like, and I'm that's... saying that, like, Nicole, my manager, like, we'll never get this guy on. He's, no, no, he's no, never no. coming on. Dude, he's, is, like, bigger than us. This he's is the, the world. He's... These, these kinds of things are, are, are totally the highlight, right? Like, it's fun you're to like be on the show. You're like a media darling show. now. You're the king of the world. I'm hardly a media darling. And I've got a face made for radio, so it's good. As do I. Um, but it's, um, it's, these are the things. Man, when you can sit down and talk to, like, a, a real music fan and someone who really cares about this business and about, about these, these artists and this music – and have a real conversation and not just know that well, I'm going to talk for five minutes and they're going to take like the one 12 second soundbite. And you know, it's, it's, right, I this know. is when awesome. I was on CNBC, it was, yeah, it was... I, I love, I love doing radio and this is an amazing opportunity to be able to talk about these sorts of things. Uh, you know, with Bieber, so I was going to, I, I did, I don't remember what network it was, NBC, ABC. I did one of these shows talking about the Grammys and, and, um, I, we, we were done with this little segment. I said, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about Bieber getting snubbed. And she said, I don't want to, it was this woman. She's like, I don't, I don't care. We don't need to talk about Bieber. And I said, well, you know, why don't you want to talk about Bieber? I'm surprised. I would think that that would be, you know, it would be like an exciting topic for a lot of people who watch your show. It's like, you know, I, I hate Bieber. I was like, how can you hate Bieber? How can you hate Bieber? Why do you hate Bieber? She's like, well, because I'm, I'm really curious about this. And so she says, well, you know, he doesn't write his own songs and he doesn't play any instruments and he's this prefabricated pop, you know, thing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, listen. Almost like the Strokes. No, but here's the thing. Oh, come on. I, I said, listen, if you want to hate Justin Bieber, I, you know, because you don't like his songs, that's totally fine. But I think that you should know that he actually does write or co-write most of his songs. Uh, on his last album, he played guitar, drums, and I think piano. Uh, and, you know, he got signed because he was a street busker in Canada. So this idea that he was somehow this, like, prefab, you just have it wrong. So I don't know why so many people, and I know, like, you know, it's a dangerous thing to go out there as, as you know, as someone and, and, like, you know, vehemently defend Bieber. But, like, I think he's kind of an underdog in a certain sort oh, no, of way. I, I don't, I'm not against him or for him. Yeah. I don't have. But a lot really... of people are. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't see. Like, well, I think it's. It becomes I mean, like I... an identity thing, I think. It's, I think it has more to do with who people perceive Justin's fans are. And I don't want you to think I'm like that, as opposed to, like, actually listening to the music. I don't know. I can't speak for people. I mean, I, it's not like I like some of his songs. Um, I do really like some of his songs. And then and, uh, some of his stuff is pretty disposable to me. But like, you know, is it what I like go home and put on at the end of the day? It isn't. So I'm not going to pretend like it is. But, you know, a lot of the stuff in pop that I think is pretty great. Like, I think Pink is amazing. I think Pink is amazing. That's I think she's very, one of the best performers. That was a very good album. It's a great album. And it's, some of the songs in there. And by the way, look at her track record and look at the fact that like... She has a little rock edge to her. Definitely. Well, she's... I mean, she's punk rock and a pop princess, right? Like, she's completely punk rock. But she was also but she doesn't get the, It's funny. She doesn't get the respect like where a rock station would never add. And I remember years ago when Black Cat by Johnny Jackson came out. Yeah. 
And I remember saying to like a couple friends that, wow, if like Pat Benatar released that song, that song would have got played on FM rock radio stations. But because it was Janet Jackson, yeah. you didn't. And some of the pink stuff, I I played a couple things from it. And yeah, it's pink and it's like you like roll your eyes. And it's like, but yeah. no, it's definitely, you know. It's got some great songs. And, you know, I love the story of Pink too because after her, I think it was her first, or maybe it was her second album. She had a lot of success. And then maybe it was her third album that didn't really connect with people. And she was like dead in the water. Her career was over. And in, and in pop music, you never get a second chance, right? No. And yet she, you know, she was kind of Phoenix. She really, uh, you know, she focused internationally and she kind of kept her career going there and then came back with her next album and had a bunch of, yeah, I think that was what, I think Sober was on that next album and really kind of broke her back open again. And since then, it's just been, she can't, she can do no wrong. Um, you know, redemption is good. Redemption is a beautiful thing, and and, and honestly, some of those songs are, are, are just are just great. I, I think they're great. But I again, I like pop music. 